Welcome back to the Gymnazo Podcast. I'm your host, CJ Kobliska, and I've got a lovely individual here with me that I've been coaching with for years. She's a critical thinker, uh, an immediate applicator, internalizes, internalizes movement like I've never seen before. She's able to relay complex content to all athletes effectively. She's a badass, soon-to-be mom, keeps me honest, and always striving to achieve excellence, not to mention a decade-plus high school coach of soccer and uh, a full-time senior-level MDMC movement specialist and female course specialist. What a title, my goodness. I'm so stoked to, to talk with you, Kalina. <laughs> what an intro. I don't know, I don't know how, how I go from here. I had, to, I had to write that all down so I didn't forget. All, <laughs> what a hype. I had a lot more. I actually had three more pages to write uh, about <laughs> you. But uh, we're going to be talking about transformational zones and chain reaction biomechanics, specifically for general population, and then even more so into sports-specific movements for all sports, even ones you've never even heard of, even athletes you've probably never even met before, that we have had the pleasure of uh, working with them to get them better in their sport, whether it's equestrian, whether it's lacrosse, badminton, foosball, all those good things. There's transformational zones in all walks of life, and, and I mean it every walk of life. We're going to talk about athletes and how it's not just about sports, but the sport of life and how every person moves through their own transformational zones. There's common ones, and there's ones that aren't so common that are more sports-specific. Welcome to the Gymnasio Podcast, where you get to peek behind the curtains of what it takes to create and run a seven-figure fitness facility that ranks in the top 5% of boutique fitness studios for revenue. But to be honest, that's the least important thing about us. Founded by me, Michael Hughes, Gymnasio has created an ecosystem of services that blend performance with restoration techniques and attracts top coaches to its facility. Hosted by its owners, Peyton and myself, and our top coaches, this podcast shares our best practices on everything from how to build a sustainable fitness business, to how to program for maximum results, to how to build a hybrid training module that's online and in person. We have marketing secrets, movement innovation, and breaking down trends in the industry. If you're a fitness professional or a fitness business owner, this is where you learn how to sharpen your skills and to see maximum results. So to get us started, uh, I want to talk with you, Kalina, a bit about uh, your past history just in terms of uh, injuries and injury prevention and the sports that you've played and kind of your process getting injured and getting out of those injuries and back to sport and where you are now. So if you don't mind telling our listeners a bit more about uh, your history and movement and uh, specifically to you. Yeah. Um, well, I am a lifelong soccer player. I started, you know, just like anybody else, little baby, five, and uh, still, st well, prior to COVID and pregnancy, <laughs> I've been playing all the way through adulthood. Um, I played all through high school, played collegiately, and then I, can, I started coaching right afterwards, and I still got to keep playing, which is pretty awesome. Um, I went through a plethora of injuries, like ups and downs, nothing severe enough to where I required surgery, but I certainly tore and sprained my ankles. Um, I had multiple ligament tears, partial tears, um, between ligaments and some of the tendons in there. I think seven between both of my ankles <laughs> combination, uh, where I've had to be on crutches, like almost to the point of surgery. And then I tore both my MCLs. Uh, minor tears. Uh, they're like four to six weeks recoveries. So for all of those injuries, I was, you know, lucky enough to never require surgery and did minor physical therapy with those. Um, and it was kind of interesting reflecting back on what that process looks like because in high school, so I tore my first MCL and there was no physical therapy. They were just like, 
Yep, you tore it. It's about four to six weeks. It'll heal on its own. Don't do it. Doesn't feel good. And then like the high school trainer will pretty much like clear you to go play again. Um, and they gave me a brace. I got fitted for a brace, and they just like, yep, okay, go through this. And the the testing. I mean, I my memory is not super great, but it was nothing to where it was dynamic movement. It was, can you run? Can you balance? Can you hop on one leg? Can you do like plyometrics, you know, like hopping forward and back over the line, hopping laterally over the line? There was nothing in rotation. 100% guarantee that. Nothing in rotation. And it went from straight line running to moderate cutting. Okay, you're cleared to play. And Mm. it was kind of the same process in college. Maybe even a little bit more physical therapy, but it was still so like basic linear like nothing nothing in the training facility nothing in in the weight room or the training room resembled what soccer actually looked like uh like you know you would think even like a leg swing right you kick a ball no none of that no like maybe a little bit on like a physio ball or like the balance pads like unstable surface do a little bit of balance work but it was like okay brace yourself and then throw a volleyball against the wall. But there was no like single leg hop change of direction on an unstable surface in any way, shape or form. And your ankles were just kind of like your ankles. It was like, well, we're going to tape them up and tape them up till they don't hurt (laughs) when you run and go. Uh, And there's a lot of like stem, a lot of ice. And that was kind of it. I I don't Hmm. feel like there was... There was no like manual joint manipulation. There was no like, hey, let's look at your calf. Let's look at your hip. It was all just. There's nothing wrong with your hip or your calf, right? It was I, your knee was, and your ankle. Yeah, it was just like, yeah, it was mind blowing. So it's like, you probably just have weak ankles. So um, that was kind of the return. And then to no surprise, I would just keep re injuring those bits and pieces. My ankles are probably the worst. I remember I finished college. And you, you cut the tape off after your games because or practice because it was so thick you couldn't even unwrap it. And I I had probably a quarter to a half inch worth of tape wrapped around my ankles. They were not very mobile, but I didn't I could play still. Didn't hurt. Didn't hurt. <laughs> but I just shit. You put enough tape need, on there. You got the stablest joint there is. Needed the support um, for years after college. It I would have my ankles would be incredibly sore after just like a hike or. I could barely play like with the high school girls if I was running around with them. It my ankles would be sore and I have to like ice them down, Advil up, you know, just to kind of recover, get the inflammation down. But uh since gymnazo, I don't have I don't even have to take my ankles. I have not rolled an ankle. I've I've rolled an ankle, but like have bounced out of it. And just been like, oh, okay, keep keep going, keep playing. Yeah, I, I want to back up for a second cuz I want to address something you brought up, which is that they had tested they, as in like the therapist or, or um, so your PT or your doc, whoever is saying, hey, you can do these things and now you're cleared. Mm-hmm. The process of saying you can do something is different than saying you can do it well. Oh, you know, yeah. And you can do it well enough to go play. And the fact that you can, they say you can do something like run, leg hop, jump and swing or whatever. And then they clear you because you can now do these things does not necessarily mean you're going to do them very effectively when you're on an uneven surface and you're at game speed and you're having to react. So what do you feel was missing from that that whole experience when they said, all right, you're cleared? Net looking back now, because then you're probably, okay, I got cleared, I'm ready to play. Like now coach put me in, but I'm still in pain, but I'm cleared. I guess it's just how it is. What do you feel was missing and what was your experience being cleared? 
uh, dynamic progression. There was certainly like a level, like every athlete wants to get back on the field as soon as possible from an injury. And, and you're willing to play through a certain amount of pain. You know, even if you can't move perfectly, if you can play, you're going to try and play. But there wasn't necessarily a dynamic buildup to getting back to playing. It was like, oh, you can go from straight line running to lateral cutting to lateral cutting all of a sudden was, okay, you can get back onto the field and start moving all over again. But we know, you know, with soccer, it's not just, it's not linear. You don't just all of a sudden cut in straight lines. You know, there, there's a lot of uh, variables. There's a lot of single leg balance to the sport. There's there's a physical sport, you know, that's not something that they train you in either in rehab is how to adjust to another person hitting you, you know, like with stability or how do you, how do you react to not just, um, like me hopping, like, but having a trainer like push you and then having to hop and control that extra momentum, mm. that wasn't necessarily a process that would have been super beneficial to say like, oh no, no, you're, it's like, it's like weight training for your ankle, you know, like adding that extra load and resistance from somebody else pushing you. But there wasn't, there wasn't a dynamic buildup that certainly prepared you for the actual game of soccer. The, the clearance was very much like, well, can you do it? Does it hurt? you can do it. Yes. Doesn't hurt. No. Great. You can yeah, go back out there and just give it a whirl. But there wasn't necessarily a very critical analysis of, again, do you do it well? And can we make this dynamic? Like if I put you into the toughest setting possible, can you still do it? I think that's where it's really tough to, I mean, even in this day and age right now, decade, decade later and plus, um, looking at well, when is somebody cleared then? And what is that protocol saying? All right, somebody's coming in, they had an injury or a tear, and let's say they didn't have any surgery, we just strengthened some stuff around the glutes and around the calves. Great, you're, you're approaching other areas to strengthen. But not necessarily addressing what caused that injury, because maybe it was impact, maybe it was you stepped on a little divot in the, in the grass and rolled your ankle a little funky. Uh, maybe it was somebody pushed you and you started running and then you just couldn't stop that momentum. And so it's like partial impact, but also your body's inability to decelerate there. Mm -hmm. And I think this is where the transformational zone talk comes in because it's about your body's ability to load and explode. Transformational zones actually come from the Gray Institute. And I want to read this definition from Gray Institute, Gary Gray, his whole squad. Uh, a TZ, transformational zone, is a zone of movement that begins with the deceleration of a motion, which is load, and continues until acceleration of the last motion, or the explode. And so you're looking very dynamically at different motions that not, it's not just a stride, it's not just a swing, it's not just a lateral cut, it's also reaction, it's getting pushed from different angles from behind you, in front of you, to the side of you, at different angulations, and each way you get pushed or each way you cut or change direction matters, and not necessarily one carrying over to the other. You might have to address a sagittal plane dominant motion and a frontal plane dominant motion and a transverse plane dominant motion to actually get a full view of how you're able to decelerate and accelerate. You know, if you get pushed from the backside, can you go forward and then move laterally? If you get pushed from the side, can you move sideways and then forward or rotate? There's much more pieces that are involved here that I think this is where uh, what we do comes in, in the sense that we have to look at multiple assessments or multiple different dimensions of your TZs. If it's running, if it's kicking, if it's throwing a ball in, if it is recoiling after uh, uh, getting bumped a certain way, we have to address those things. And uh, Grand Institute also goes into chain reaction biomechanics, excuse me, chain reaction biomechanics, meaning 
you, you know the biomechanics and what happens, what flexes the knee, what flexes the ankle, what abducts the shoulder and all that good stuff. But how do all those parts play together? And when a hand reaches, it's not just the arm that's moving. It's pulling a thoracic spine, it's pulling a hip, it's pulling a foot. So if you were to to kind of break down in layman's terms what a transformational zone is and how we address it at Gymnazo, what would you say? If I say what a TZ is, I mean, the Grand Institute beautifully explains that, but I, I would say it's it's continued motion. <laughs> it's a hard one. Uh, <laughs> continued motion, but like the, the ability to to load, to explode, to transform from one motion to the next. So even like a basic squat, loading down, getting into your squat, that is one TZ. Standing up is a second TZ. This is a bit, the bit, most basic way I think I could relate that to people who, who have no idea what a TZ is. <laughs> but if we're talking about a leap, like loading on one foot, TZ, exploding off that foot, TZ, landing on the other foot, another TZ. Like there's so many different transformational zones that we could go through. Um, and how we do that at Gymnazo is so dynamic. We put you through like the weirdest TZs. You know, we hear that so often, like this is, this feels weird. Like, yes, it is. You're doing it right. But that's, I think, so important for us to recognize, especially as athletes and trainers who train athletes, we don't typically get hurt in your normal, safe transformational zone. We get hurt in the funky transformational zone because your body goes, I don't know how to do this. Um, or I don't have the stability, I don't have the mobility to get into these TZs. So we sneak it in there um, in what we consider a safe environment. It might feel weird, but at no point is like, it doesn't feel good or I feel like I'm going to throw something out, you know, as I go through that. So Yeah, it's it's. I think it's important to mention that you said, you know, it's a funky one. It's really just an oh shit zone. It's like where you, you land on a rebound and your knee goes one way and your upper body goes the other way. And you're like, you look at that on TV or on camera and you're like, how did that person not get injured? Well, it's probably because they've trained their body to stabilize in these funky positions or in these oh shit zones in a safe environment. So what they're, when they're going game speed and they're in a reactive environment now in that game against an opponent and they land, their body doesn't freak out and just collapse and tear an MCL, an ACL, roll an ankle, uh, pull a hamstring, all these things that could go wrong based off of a funky position because like you, we bring it back to um, getting cleared and saying, all right, you can run, you can hop and you can do all these things. Well, those are like perfect conditions. But if you train for perfect conditions, when you get into an imperfect scenario, are you going to have the ability to bounce back? And then if you do get injured, there's no way to really prevent injury, avoid it. You could do nothing with your life and you're probably going to get injured walking. Or you could do some crazy stuff with your life and you're probably going to get injured being chaotic or in a crazy environment. Like yeah. you can't avoid it. You can't prevent it. No. But you can start to bulletproof yourself in the sense of I'm going to prepare my body for any scenario and any angulation at any speed at any range of motion. And I'm going to feel confident internally, not just in your mind and in your brain, but proprioceptively your body knows it can handle stress in funky positions. Now I'm not saying go rotate your spine to a max degree at your lumbar spine and then go kick your foot and throw a medicine ball at the same time and intentionally try to put yourself into an, a very dangerous position. But you may want to preposition yourself in a zone of movement that you might end up in. Let's say you're, you're getting a rebound from a basketball uh, from the hoop and you land on a right foot and your knee goes to the left and your 
upper body goes right. And so your knee's pulling one way and it's tapping into that medial layer and your upper body's like, I'm trying to pull you one way. Does your body have the ability to come back to center successfully because you diverted from that center point? Um, Or are you trying to brace? And the more you brace now, that's going to be a more dangerous tear because you're trying to hold that motion or that position versus just allow it and bounce yourself back elastically. And I think that's where the load to explode is super important to understand in every single movement. So when is it useful? When is it easy useful? Literally for everything Always. you do physically. Always. <laughs> Take me, uh, I, I want to make this more relatable to, to all levels of individuals, coaches, athletes, people who have never picked up uh, a weight in their life. What's like the, if you explain your morning uh, routine from the moment you move in your bed and you wake up, what are some transformational zones you go through um, You know, in that first 30 minutes by the time you, you wake up? just getting out of bed getting out of bed is a tz you know like you throw the covers off you know now my tz is a little bit different because i got about 30 pound weight vest on my gut (laughs) uh you've been wearing that for a few months now it's crazy it keeps getting bigger (laughs) yeah for listeners i'm uh, almost 31 weeks pregnant now so um it's not just my covid but beer belly uh (laughs) but you know getting out of bed is is like rolling out of bed you know and like how am I going to do this? It's interesting now because it my TZ changes and how those mechanics change because uh, it's definitely more of a, like, swing the legs out and push myself off the bed to get up and out of bed as opposed to this, like, springing upright kind of motion that I get to. But, like, getting out of bed is a TZ. The standing up, like, you immediately stand up and you do, like, a stretch, right? You do a little active tension, like, oh, stretch the shoulders, extend the arms, Okay bathroom time because that first thing you do when you wake up you op like you just walk over there's another functional squat just like getting getting up and down off the toilet got to go brush my teeth got to get my clothes ready i mean and at this point for our viewers who are pregnant or even if you've just ever had an injury like putting your pants on could be a struggle like pregnancy that's a single leg balance pull vertically that's a row that's a row it is like i've very intentionally noticed like how you know because when you're even pregnant, like your balance just shifts every week because your body is changing every week. And it's like being mindful, like, no, I'm still going to do this as a single leg balance. I'm not going to sit down. I'm not going to let my husband help me put my socks on. (laughs) I'm going to keep doing this. I'm going to figure it out though. Um, but you know, putting, putting your clothes on, those are TZs. You got to put for ladies, you got to put a sports bra on. You got to like, you know, adjust your, get your shoulders going. Sometimes they're a little bit tight, you know, fresh out of the dryer. Uh, shirt, you know, all that stuff, brushing your hair, brushing your teeth, going to get breakfast, you know, going to get the pans out to make, to make eggs, you know, there's just all of these funky transformational zones that we don't think about as necessarily being transformational zones or like it's work getting in and out of the car, um, like rotate, like people always look at us like we're crazy when we want to do like a rotational lunge or rotational squat, but I've never even in pregnancy have like backed up at a perfect 180 into my car, sat down at a perfect squat and then <laughs> swiveled in, you know, you just swing a leg and you get in the car and that's some more single leg hip stability. As you that's a rotational that. rep. It you is. Guys. Yeah. It that's is. a rep. You got external rotation to the hip joint. Like, good Lord, watch out guys. But, uh, I've never torn my ACL getting into my car. No, I, I, I want to break down some of those TZs you talked about because you literally just did like a whole year long of workouts <laughs> in an hour, you know? You said the first 30 yeah, minutes. Yeah, no, it's it was great. a busy first 30 So, minutes. I mean, you, like a TZ, if we're breaking this down into simplistic terms, it's a full body thing. Like even if it's just your leg stepping out of bed, 
your leg is attached to your pelvis, is attached to your spine. And a lot of individuals I hear come in, typically they're over the age of 40 or 50 as, I mean, even people in their 30s saying like, I'm getting older, you know, you get that like, my back is just really stiff. And that, that initial TZ is some loading that's going through your inner thigh that's attached to a spine. And those tissues have been dormant or asleep while you're, while you're sleeping, right? They're not working, so nothing's turned on. So your transformational zone, proprioceptively, you're not utilizing everything inside of your tissues when you wake up in the morning. So depending on how you're training, what your day was like the day previous, what your week was like, the stress level when you wake up, those can all influence your transformational zones. So it's a, it's a biological thing. It's your body. It's a behavioral thing. Where's your mind at when you wake up? Are you focused on getting out of bed? Or are you focused on like, I got to do a bunch of shit before I get to work? And most people are in that second. It's like, oh, I got to get the coffee going. And there's like a mindless gap from you getting out of bed to you starting the coffee pot. They're like, I walked, I squatted, I reached, I lifted something. I think I like jumped out of bed a little bit and then my calf is cramped. Like there's lots of different actions that occur um, in everybody's, everybody's life. And we like to consider everybody an athlete because life is the sport is a sport and you're playing it just by being alive. And so it's super important to realize that TZs aren't just sport specific in terms of an athletic event, but in terms of just ADLs, activities of daily living. And we need to assume that that's the most important thing to every single human that walks in here is we got to address what is it that you do every day and can we train that to make it easier so that you don't injure yourself getting out of bed you don't injure yourself putting something back in the fridge you don't injure yourself sitting down to get on the toilet to take your morning shit you know you're like okay i just have to be aware of what i'm doing and if i'm training and i realize okay i squatted in my move in my uh, training session i reached for something i pressed something overhead i pulled a pulley and I threw a medicine ball like those carry over to sports as much as they carry over to everyday life totally and I think that's where it's like oh shit you know I I'm starting to get this I start to realize that squats just start making better at squats in the gym squats allow me to live my life a little bit easier and a little bit more enjoyable so I'm not worried about hurting myself when I walk up or down the stairs oh, or yeah. walk around the block I love when people come back in to the gym they're like you know that move we did last week <laughs> dude I, I was I was going to bend over to pick up the dog and it was the same thing. It was the same motion. Like my feet were funky and I bent and twisted this way and I picked the dog up and I was like, whoa, I just did what we did at gymnasium last week. And it's killer because they feel so accomplished. They, they, we created this awareness, but they go, that's why it's relative and that's why we do it. Because even though it's not with a 50-pound sandbag or a viper, they go, I still went through that same exact transformational zone. They recognize that transformational zone and they see the benefits of it. Oh, that's so rad. And that, that is injury prevention. I mean, you're not gonna prevent an injury from occurring, but by training movements more intentionally, like you have tension, you know you have a foot and ankle and knee and a hip and a spine and a shoulder and elbow and a wrist, and you have a mind that all plays into how you move. It starts to change the game a bit and you start to realize how powerful your training can be in the gym to make you stronger in real life. So if we break this down a bit more for, for the coach's mindset and even for the athlete's mindset, let's say you you'd brought up a squat earlier. Like mm -hmm. there's two transformational zones of a squat. Yeah. So let's say somebody comes in and they have pain when they squat. Like anytime they put a, a load on their body and they squat, they have knee pain. Now I think a, a a traditional mindset would be like, okay, as a trainer, you're experiencing lower body pain. We should probably just work your upper body and core now. We should avoid putting yourself in more pain, which is a very safe route to go, but doesn't make the person any better or feel any more able 
and um, empowered to move through their life. They think I'm just not I'm not supposed to squat, or they go to the doctor and they say yeah, I have I have knee pain. They're like, well, when do you have knee pain? It's like, well, when you squat, when I squat. Okay, well, don't so squat don't with squat, load yeah. more than ten pounds. Now, when somebody comes in and says that to us, where does you, where does your mind go, and how do you steer the conversation to empower the individual? Um, great, great topic. I think, like you said, it is easy for trainers to just be dismissive and be like, okay, well, I'm going to go the safe route and I'm not going to do that. But the way we know how the body works, if it's not like a, there was no acute injury, right? I didn't, I didn't tear anything. It's what we call like a, a musculoskeletal disorder. It only maybe bothers them at a certain plane of motion or a certain action. Like I get to this range of motion and then it bothers me. So my first question is, okay, well, let's see what that looks like. And when it's knee pain, we go... I know it's not the knee's fault. So what's what's not working? What's not holding tension? What's not lengthening? What what's not working that should be working? And why is the knee pissed off because of that? So, you know, the first thing we do is we, we run through our, our tests and we see like what should be working and what shouldn't be working. Um or like now, okay, we're a, a test looks at loading, loading tissues and it, being able to explode that. So do you wanna you wanna go into that first before we get back into the yeah. So say we have somebody who get knee pain with deep squats. Okay. Let's set them up no weight, obviously, to start. And let's just see what, they, what they're working with to start right off the bat. And they go into that deep squat. Uh, and usually the second question I'll ask is, well, when you squat, does it hurt on the way down or does it hurt on the way up? So we assess which TZ is it hurting because it could be, it could be both. It could be one or it could be the other. And we're going to recruit, we know we're going to recruit different muscle groups depending on what we're trying to do. So what should be decelerating the body in TZ one as we load into the squat? Like we know. So what should be? <laughs> posterior chain, right? We're going to look at glutes. We're going to look at hamstrings. We're going to look at hip flexion. Uh, we're going to look at ankles. Even we're going to look at the feet. Do they, do they supinate? Do they, or do they not? Uh, or do they pronate? Or do they not? Um, even, you know, every little bit, or maybe, maybe it's a, a form thing. Maybe they're bending too far forward. Maybe they're pushing their knees way over their toes. Maybe they don't even know how to use their glutes to get into that. You're saying I got to think about all these things when somebody's doing a squat? All of these things, Sorry. right? All of these things. Um, and if we do see some of those cattywampus dysfunctions, again, do we, do we, is it just a verbal cue? Oh my gosh, that took my knee pain away. Or is it a proprioceptive dysfunction where they don't know how to, to hit those those recruitment areas? Like, do they not know how to do that? So um, it could be soft tissue work, right? It could be like, you know what? That just, it runs out of room. And then everything after that range of motion just looks bad because you don't have that range of motion. So maybe we do some soft tissue. Maybe we do some uh, mobilization. Maybe we do some foam rolling. And then we just go back and retest. That's And so that's kind of the cool thing because what we do is you look at the TZs and see where the TZ doesn't look good, do some problem solving, like reverse reverse puzzle effect, and you work your, your theory essentially, go back and retest. Did it get better? Did it get worse? Did it stay the same? Yeah, I want to break down some of those concepts because I think I – think, um, it's important to understand like, okay, there's all these things we need to assess. Well, how do we, how do we see it, you know, as coaches? And the more you coach, the more experience you have, the more you're going to find – common themes why people's knees hurt and maybe it is a lack of strength but most of the time it's probably just a lack of awareness proprioceptively and a misunderstanding of what a squat is and they've been told way too many ways to not do a squat that now they've been doing a squat one way to keep their knees behind their toes and their spine in a very straight line and to squeeze their core and flex their glutes and grip the ground and they're going like I gotta memorize all these things in my squats like no just when you go to pick something up off the ground how do you do it do you tell yourself to square up 
toes slightly out, turn your knees outward, flex your glutes, flex your... No, you're not doing that. I hope you don't do that. If you are doing that, please stop and just let yourself drop down. What we're really looking at is we a uh, most stability complex, or there's mobility and there's stability, and we know that there are more mobile joints in the body and there are more stable joints in the body in the sense that the continuum is basically your ankles are a little bit more mobile. They have access in three planes of motion to dorsiflexion, plantar flexion, a little inversion, eversion, and then internal external rotation. We look at the knees, they don't have that kind of availability. They're more so designed to flex and extend or move more sagittal base, but they can still deviate inward or outward, and we see that a lot in squats, right? Mm-hmm. We go up one further, and it's hips, and they're able to flex, extend, abduct, adduct, internally, externally rotate. We keep this going, lumbar spine more stable, thoracic spine more availability, all the way up through shoulder blades more stable and shoulders more mobile and so forth. So if we can understand that most stability complex, if we're looking at somebody doing a squat, we might see their knees are giving them too much movement, like they're deviating inward or outward, and maybe because their ankles or their hips are unable to give them that rotation, so their knees are trying to get that rotation. Maybe you know, the best of all time, I think, is when somebody does a squat and their knees don't bend. It's all, it's all back, and they're like, my back hurts. Like, well, you're not squatting. You are lifting yeah. with your back. If you're staring at the ground, it's not a squat. <laughs> it's, yeah. So, so understanding where that trade-off is between those joints and understanding that there's no one joint responsible for a squat but it's every single joint in your body communicating, even through your elbows and your wrists and your shoulders in a squat. Like if you're rolled forward, that tissue that's attached to your shoulders is also attached to your lats and attached to your pelvis. So if you're rolling forward and you try to drop down, if you've already pre-lengthened your upper body, you have less tension to, to take from your lower body. Yeah. So there's a lot of pieces that we're, we're looking at in that load and, and then in that explode. And you had mentioned the question you'd ask is, when is our pain? Is it when you go down in your squat or is it when you come up? Is it in the load or is it in the explode? Because mm-hmm. a lot of times that can tell us more, well, is there a problem with the tissue not lengthening? Like you said, we foam roll it, stretch it, and then we come back. Oh, the pain's gone. Fantastic. Let's keep mobilizing first. Mm-hmm. But if it's on the way up, is it because there was a lack of loading and now they're over-contracting a tissue? Or is it because on the way up, their body has like an energy leakage and doesn't take a similar path on the way down it as the way up, it takes a different path. And so it's a constant game of give and take and game of hot and cold of where the body is putting too much effort, not enough. Typically, we're going to find knee pain, low back pain, neck pain in a squat. Um, a lot of times, sometimes it's in the uh, in the ankles because they just lack the mobility or hip mobility and they have impingement. So that co- that goes into jumping, into deadlifting, into every every lift, overhead pressing, Olympic lifts. There's TZs in every movement. Um, some of the more complex ones that we look at, um, it's something that we do everyday life and we don't even realize it. It's like gait, like walking transformational oh, yeah. zones. Up and down the stairs. How would you explain the transformational zones of walking in a, in a simple way? Come on. Uh, <laughs> transformational, I mean, one foot in front of the other. That is literally a TZ, like planting with the right, pushing off the right, landing on the left, pushing off the left. And I mean, that's just the lower extremities. Thoracic spine should also be doing an out of sync. Like we should be getting out of sync motion. You're going to rotate towards the leg that's forward. So hips go one way, trunk goes the other way. And you get this, this ambulation. 
Like this whole, mm-hmm. and this undulating ability to just like flow through motion. Walking should not be stiff and painful. Walking should be this fluid motion. We get this beautiful spiralization of the body as we go through gait and as we walk and as we run. And it's kind of, it feeds into each other. You think of it like, like a rubber band that's or a helix that kind of loads to explodes, but it feeds, each motion feeds into the next. So the loading of your right foot stepping into the ground, right? And chest rotates to the right. You get this loading of all that tissue, that spiralization. And then it should, like a like a spring, it just fires and you unload and go into that next phase. So we'd say walking is like a very, very, uh, very minor, very elastic version of load to explode. And you can see it more powerfully like through sprinters and runners, but it should be kind of this nice, easy flow. We have an easy time doing that, but you're still going through a load and explode. It just depends on how much intensity you're putting into it. Yeah. We had so many people that come in with like, after they walk for, let's say 30 minutes, their lower back hurts or their ankles hurt or their knees hurt or something just doesn't feel comfortable where they literally don't enjoy doing that anymore. They're just doing it because it's good for them. So and now every rep they take, every step they take is a rep. Are they leading themselves more towards those MSDs and musculoskeletal dysfunctions? Or are they leading themselves to more resiliency and, and teaching their body how to load and explode even better? And as we age, we have that potential. We may not be as fast or as powerful in that load to explode. However, we still utilize the same transformational zones. And depending on different stages of life, we're pregnant, that's going to change our TZs. You have an injury to a foot, it's going to change how you walk, and then you are cleared to walk again, and now you're like, I feel better. But now something funky starts happening in your other side, knee or ankle, because you didn't address the dysfunction that was originally starting when you had an original foot injury. So it gets, it gets to be pretty complex when uh, somebody's in a later stage of life, in their 50s, 60s, and they've been moving a lot because their body starts to find new paths, to me, old paths of least resistance that now have been ingrained so much so that their body doesn't want to take another path. And so they know how they walk, they know how they throw, they know how they squat, they lunge, they lift, they do all these things. And when they are exposed to something more novel or like in a different plane of motion or something involving more complex patterning like a foot and a thoracic spine and a hand reach, we just know it's, it's simulating gait, but they're doing like, I can't figure out how to do this. And it's like, take your left foot forward, swing your right hand. Like what? what? Yeah, it's like it's, okay. Wait, take a left foot. Just just walk, and they're like, oh, and yeah. their body does it. So they have a path that they know. Um, but w- what our job is, is as movement specialists and as um, MDMCers, is to kind of break down not into isolation the parts of gait, but see that gait as an entire whole, as a foot, as an ankle, as a knee, as a hip, as a thoracic spine, and see where that give and take is. So that if you have had past injuries that you haven't even thought about for two decades that can still be inhibiting your ability to flow smoothly and um, elastically as you walk. So what what are some common things that we had alluded to a little bit, but the common things that pop up like in somebody's running when they experience pain? Because running is similar to gait. It's just now got a flight phase, and um, a lot of people rely on their running shoes to support their whole body, which is a whole other story. Go check out the Barefoot podcast. We won't go into that, but... Um, think, think like what's a, what's a common thing that you experience when somebody's having pain with running and then how do you address it in terms of TZs? Yeah. Uh, well, again, when, when do we experience running? Is it like right off the bat? Is it maybe just a lack of a warm up? Is it prolonged? Is it endurance running? Like are things just fatiguing over time? We talked about like gait, um, and 
following paths of least resistance. Well, we know when we get tired, things don't load or explode as well. But say you have like a, a nagging, you know, foot injury, maybe you start to swing your foot and swing your hip around the body. Like instead of like powering through and like driving the knee up to land in that, you start to swing that hip out and around. That's going to create its own sort of dysfunction because now when your foot hits the ground, you're not, you're loading through a different TZ. You're kind of creating this whip effect through your leg and that's going to load differently. And now all of a sudden your knees having to decelerate all of this, you know, external to internal rotation, all of this decel, it's going to have to load differently. And all of a sudden you're like, my knee hurts all of a sudden. I don't know why. And we go, well, your hips not actually, you can't get extension out of your hip and you can't get good flexion out of your hips. So you're just swinging it around to trail it out there. Under utilizing a sagittal plane movement over utilizing a transverse plane or a frontal plane movement yeah. that now is overworked. Yeah. Right? And so now you're going to see some sort of dysfunction. So then, you know, my step is like backtrack. Okay. Well, why is the hip not working the, well, the way that it's supposed to? Again, is it proprioceptive or is it like, is it the ability to load or is it the straight mobility issue where that hip doesn't doesn't do the right thing. So you might have to literally reteach it how to actually pull through, you know, instead of swing through, uh, even like talking about like walking for long periods of time. I get that way. I just like it's the old bad athlete, like walk, like you scuff your feet, but I'm not pulling my hip through anymore. I'm just swinging my leg. I'm like, dang, my knee hurts. I wonder, Oh, this is why, but you know, train it, train it with load. So if you're going talking about like running, like a trail runner, okay? You want to load up that hip as much as possible, but teach it how to decelerate in all three points of motion, teach it how to decelerate with different angulations of, at the foot and ankle joint. Because we know with trail running, you're running uphill, you're running downhill, you're running sideways, you know? It's just difficult terrain to handle. So how do you teach that foot, knee, ankle, hip, thoracic spine to decelerate in all of these different variable options. You could do it in a very perfect condition, which is in a stride. All right, you got a big right leg forward and just go up and down with the load on your chest or a barbell on your back and you're working squats, you're working lunges, a lot of forward motion. Like, ah, running's forward, right? But maybe we're over-utilizing our sagittal plane in terms of our quads and in terms of our calves. And now, why do we see so many common injuries like Achilles tendonitis, plantar fasciitis, uh, meniscus tears, worn arthritis in the knees from runners who have been around for a long time? It's like, I've been running, and that's why it, it causes. It's like, well, yeah, but I also know a lot of runners who are older than you that don't have any of these issues. So what's going on and what's different? And a lot of it comes down to the intentionality in your running. And do you want to make it better? A lot of people just don't care about it. They're like, I'll just deal with the pain, and that's more power to you. But for those who write the narrative that like, oh, it's, it's because I'm getting older, it's because I ran so much that that's why I'm in pain. It's like, that's not why. I think that's, that's, that's not diving deep enough and understanding like your body has chosen an attractor well that loads the quad the same way, the calf the same way, and you're maybe underutilizing your foot muscles and your calf muscles and your hip muscles in the transverse plane. Because if you look at running from a top-down view, yeah, they might be moving forward and backwards, well, but you're seeing, yeah, T-spine twist, arm twist, hip twist, and there's a lot of talk about anti-rotation in the spine and bracing the center, which is really important, I think, in heavier lifts and Olympic lifts. Mm -hmm. Definitely is. You don't want to hurt yourself with that. But when you're running, it's sub-maximal. It's very minimal loading compared to the weight that you put on you. So if we're focusing on just trying to get good at moving forward, we might be missing a, a, a big point and a big bridge to this gap that is the transverse plane, that we need to teach your thoracic spine, your arms, your hips, and your feet to decelerate 
a rotation one way and accelerate. So deviating through your center and actually moving away from your center line, but then being able to decelerate that so that you've got a great TZ in rotation that then propels you forward. And I think the greatest thing about the transverse plane, there's no gravity affecting it. Like that's why it's so powerful in every sport, rotation. Mm -hmm. But why in the gym, the sport of gyms, is there no rotation? And it's bullshit, you know? Yeah. <laughs> We've got it. Yeah, we that's a whole other topic that we can get into. But. Yeah, but so we got we got to address every plane in the TZs. Like TZs aren't just yeah. like when we're looking at a squat, we're not just looking at hip flexion, ankle flexion, or ankle dorsiflexion and knee flexion. We're looking at your body's ability to decelerate internal rotation of the hips as well. As you come down, your muscles are being affected in all three planes of motion. Mm -hmm. So as MDMCers, as multidimensional movement coaches and and a movement specialist, we have to have an understanding of what every joint in the body is capable of doing. And then are they capable, can they decelerate and accelerate at different ranges of motion in each of those planes? And I think that's what's missing from the therapeutic side of getting somebody from, in, from an injury or maybe just it's nothing too severe, they just pulled something. And then to build them back, instead of just strengthening in one plane and in one isolated part of the body, like just doing uh, hamstring curls or just doing calf raises or just doing high knees, mm -hmm. um, we're seeing more dynamic stuff pop out. But I was just talking to an individual yesterday, a buddy uh, from the Bay Area, and he had a big ski accident and stabbed his knee with his pole. Oh, jeez. So, I mean, you can't prevent that. No. <laughs> you're, no matter what kind of training you're going to do, that thing's going to go through your knee. And he had torn his meniscus and a couple of other things. And he was, a, he was a runner. He wanted to get back to running. And I'd asked him how his PT went. And they went through some pretty dynamic stuff and cleared him. He's got a few more sessions. And he said, yeah, go run. You know, start jogging lightly and then see how it feels. And obviously don't go further if it hurts. But also there was nothing like to do about it. It was just like, all right, if it jogs, stop doing it. Uh, and if, if you're jogging and there's no pain, well, then ramp it up the next time. Yeah. So I asked him, like, what was, what was the last thing he had done before they said, all right, go, go try jogging? And it was jumps, just vertical jumps and anterior and posterior jumps. Yep. Maybe some lateral jumps. But running is a split. It's a single leg. Mm -hmm. It's a leap. It's a hop. You might, especially if you're doing trail runs or something else funky, you've got to be able to bridge that gap from not running to running. And yeah. jumping, yeah, it's impact and it's better than nothing and doing it in three dimensions, it's great. But you also have both feet that are loading and exploding at the same time to the hips. What happens now when the legs are compromised when we're in a stride stance? And what we would, how we would apply TZs to this and, and hope that um, physical therapists would, would do this or at least find somebody to then pass that athlete along to is let's put them in a stride stance. Mm -hmm. Now let's do those same jumps forward, back sideways, rotationally, see if the hip, the ankle, the thoracic spine can decelerate that sagittal plane, that frontal plane, the transverse. Now let's do it on a single leg leap matrix. You know, we leap forward, yep. back, forward. We leap lateral. So now we're getting that single leg capacity to load and explode. And then we start to travel into, well, if you're going to work uphill, downhill, don't just start running uphill, downhill. You could, but a lot of people go too hard too soon. And then they're like, oh, I'm hurting and this is wrong versus let's just keep ramping it up. Now let's go hop onto a box, now hop off of a box or leap off of a box and just mm -hmm. start to progress those pieces so it's not necessarily linear, it's just where that individual finds success to get to do what they want to do. So let's, let's uh, I want to kind of continue this conversation in terms of when somebody comes in with pain, um, a question that we ask is like, what would you do if you weren't out of this pain? Um, what do you do next? Let's say somebody like wants to run and they're, they can't even jump. 
you know, what kind of positions or TZs would you put that individual in? What kind of exercises might you do that get them from a place of, I can't run, I've been told not to do it, my body is killing me, and they've never even done like a stride stance work. You know, like what kind of positions and activities might you have somebody do if you want to give them like a, say a four exercise circuit that is a solid progression from doing nothing to now they want to get back to running where they feel like, oh, this actually feels like running, but I'm not running yet. Yeah. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yes. Uh, great, great questions. Like, like we said, it's, I love that we can sneak exercise in there that don't necessarily look like running, but you feel like you're running because you get that whole body fluidity to it and that, that spring load to explode, but doing like a lunge pivot, just very basic. Like you want to start somebody off with something comfortable, have them do a lunge pivot, lunge all the way forward on the left and then take it into like a posterior lunge or a big toe touch and reach back. So they're getting that kind of the gait motion, like, okay, yep, leg forward, leg back. I got one leg locked into the ground, though, so I'm not doing any jump switch outs. Mm-hmm. I'm not actually ambulating anywhere, but I'm getting this lunge switch out. And then build in reachiness to that. So lunge forward, left, reach with the right. So you're getting that, that thoracic spine loading, that hip loading, the ankle loading, and then switching it. So you're building that coordination of in-sync and out-of-sync, trunk and hip rotation. Sorry, out of sync. Out of sync, trunk and hip rotation. Loading into that and exploding out of that. You could progress that med ball throws. Like one of my favorites is just put somebody ladder up the wall, put them in a stride stance, and have them rip the ball into the wall. So they're throwing over their front legs. So you're really loading them into the kind of that that TZ1, that landing into that TZ1. Forces that deceleration of the internal rotation of the hip, while at the same time they're having to decelerate through that thoracic spine mitigating the injury of spine rotation potential, you know, like they're, exactly. they're able to decelerate it, find their yeah. zone of success. And then building upon that, cause they just think they're doing a med ball, like toss into the wall, right? Have them stay lateral to the wall again. Now make it a step, make it a step and throw. So that they're having, they're still getting that. We just combined action number one with action number two, but they're lateral at the wall. Um, balances. I think that's such a good one. I love throwing a Viper in somebody's hands little nine pound viper and having to do a single leg balance. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Having to do a single leg balance and have them do a 3d foot reach with an out of sync viper swing. So they're having to counterbalance that. But now we've just tested their foot, their ankle, their knee, their hip, their thoracic spine through the biomechanics of running and said like, okay, where did you eat shit? And where we like that felt easy or where did we see some bailouts? Like where did they just completely lock up because they don't have that fluidity to get through there? Um, man and ropes. You guys just did the podcast on ropes and, and slush ropes Beautiful too. Yeah. and how you can actually really involve the thoracic spine into the running and the fluidity of running without having anybody move, like putting them in stride stances and have them just literally flow from one to the next, you know, going those figure eights going, Dragon rolls going, matadors, just having them actually flow through that. But it shouldn't be rigid. That's like the beauty of those because running doesn't look rigid. Like you're like driving down the street and you see me running like, God, that looks like it hurts. Like they don't have that fluidity. And you know they probably have knee pain or joint pain. And those are those people who are like, well, I'm just getting older. It's like, yeah, dude, you're stiff as a friggin' board. You can't, you have no ability to decelerate motion. But with the ropes, you can provide somebody this opportunity to focus on that fluidity and smooth motion and then translate that into running. Like, do you feel how easy that flow is from side to side with the rope? 
Great. Now do that with walking. Great. Yeah, now do that like, with leaping. I feel like most people are missing when they come in and they got pain when they're walking or running. It, they're missing their whole upper half in their run and they're putting way too much in their arms, trying to keep their spine stiff. Yeah. And like with the, with the RMT ropes from WAC Method, slush ropes, all those guys, it's, it's restoring that spinal engine, restoring that spinal lateral bending, rotation, extension, and then propelling. Like yeah, you can make somebody better at walking without them even standing up and throwing the ropes. Free load. That's free energy that you get. When we talk about like locking in your core when you run and just that bracing, that's constant tension but locked into one spot. But like if you just if you just have a rubber band and you're trying to launch that rubber band, you don't just you don't just like hold it and hope that for the best like it's gonna fly out there yeah you you pull it back you load it and if you even just like minute rotation you're gonna create tension through your core with running Hmm. and you throw those shoulders and now it becomes that fluid dude i got tension fire the rubber band check out this yeah exactly exactly they talk about uh (laughs) conor mcgregor with his with his whole full body undulation but he's just like whipping his shoulders around but that's like you can see those those torques and those tension lines where it just it just throws his body. Even if you're if you were boxing, right? If you're boxing and you go you get your left foot for it and you're about to throw fists, right, with your right hand, the first thing that moves is actually your right hip. You throw the right hip forward, and that's going to create that that rotation through the trunk at that point because you get hip rotating forward, left rotation. Trunk is still in right rotation, and you get this core elasticity, this free load, and that and then you get that proximal acceleration. <laughs> Throw that hand through because the hip's going to whip everything around. So, and you get more force out of it than if you just stood there and tried to throw with just your shoulder. Yeah, these got to be degrees of freedom from your hip, from your like your pelotroncula, as we were talking about, your pelvis, your trunk, and your scapula. Love That's it. a powerhouse for everything you do. Hips attached to your legs, hips attached to your torso get those hips moving. If they are missing motion in any any TZ, whether it's squatting, lunging, uh, locomotion, vertimotion, just things that involve your legs and your upper body and you're not able to transfer that force, there's something that we're going to find in, in one of those TZs that is causing you pain that probably is not the is not where you're experiencing pain as the source of it. You know, if you're, if you're experiencing low back pain, it's probably somewhere else. Yeah. That's not doing the job for what your, what your low back is now doing. Like whatever's hurting is probably overworking or being underutilized um, in some way, shape, or form. That we've got to figure out where in the rest of your body is your, are you not getting that access to that proprioception. Yeah, and, and I mean, TZs are, they're for, it's not just for performance. It's not just for restoration. It's for fitness. Like, that's what we're talking about with individuals that just come in that want to work out, making, uh, bringing more purpose to their exercise and to their practice it's not just putting them through lifts. It's putting them through things that they're going to be doing in real life and making it fun with load, maybe changing up um, or enhancing capacity for those things. And a lot of times it's just opening up availability. Because as uh, the Viper guys say, the best, availab- the best ability is availability. And once you have that availability, now it's time to enhance the capacity. Be stronger where you can already access. If you're trying to build strength and you can't access it, you're going to break down. You're going to get beat up. You're not going to have a good time. Yeah. Not at all. Uh, where can people learn more about TZs? MDMC. Yeah, Multidimensional Movement Coach, brought to you by Gymnazo EDU. We go deep in application, not just education, but transformation. And it, Institute. 
Angry Institute, yeah. It's just so powerful. I mean, how many people deal with even minor injuries on a day-to-day basis and trainers just don't have the tools or education to know how to treat that? Do you have any more doors you open for yourself to be able to say, hey, I think we can get after this. Let's like, let's try this. Let's go after that. Does this still bother you? Does it feel better? Because we know not everything is like acute trauma and acute injuries. They could just be like a deficiency in mobility, deficiency in stability. Can you, but how do you learn to identify that? And what do you do about it once it's identified? I think that's the, that's the hardest yeah. part. Like, okay, I know I recognize it. What do I do? Yeah. But you just open up so many more doors for yourself because it can be, sometimes there's super complex issues, like no doubt about that. But if you have somebody who's young and fit and healthy and maybe they were just riding in the car, they did a 24 hour road trip, right? And they come back and then all of a sudden they have knee pain. They're like, dude, I don't know what happened, but I want to fix this. Like, oh, I can't, I can't work out for two weeks until it like relaxes. And you're like, oh, let's just try this. And you fix that knee pain in 10 minutes. And then you go back to just living your normal life and working, doing your normal workouts. Like that's just, it's mind blowing. And it's so powerful. I want to bring up some case studies too. Um, I know we, we talked about a few of them, but I'm working with an individual right now who um, has been walking with a cane for quite some time. And uh, just recently, actually, you know, slowly becoming less and less functional and able to move, came in, needed the cane to walk and was in tremendous hip pain, had basically like hip replaced, two knee replacements, ankle reconstruction, shoulder reconstruction, in a matter of 10 years. So it's a lot of healing to Iron be doing. Man. Yeah, just made of made of uh, made of metal, and uh, I initially had a tough time of just seeing this and going, okay, where where do I start? You know, if we can't walk, it's tough to stand. Ooh, what do I do? And you got to look at the teasies of all right, we got to get him up and walking again. So if we can't stand without you know, assistance. Okay. We'll use the cane. We use a wall. Now we've we brought in some more stability. We can do that too. But for how long could we sustain that before we got to sit down and do we take the rest sitting down and then get back up? Or can we do stuff while we're sitting down? That's going to now work the thoracic spine and shoulder so that when he stands back up, now those tissues assist the lower half tissues. There's better support. There's better integrity and there's better conversation proprioceptively with the upper and lower half. And in four sessions, four session, he walked 40 yards, with no cane and then walked 40 yards the other way with no cane and got in his truck. And I said, my gosh, this is beautiful. Like that's, awesome. it's so simple, but as, as trainers, we can see that and go like, ah, oh, that, I don't want to work with that. That's way too much work. I don't know what to do. Yeah. Or you can look at it and go, that's a good fun challenge. And I can offer something that's going to potentially change this person's life, alter the, the course of their future because of addressing the other parts of somebody's movement that they may not have available to them currently. So you gotta start with success and you gotta consider if you can't integrate the whole, how do you isolate the parts so that eventually you can integrate them back into the whole and they can keep moving. Uh, do you have any uh, any case studies off the top of your head right now? If you don't, it's all good. But. Uh, great great little, <laughs> little one-on-one and she, chronic low back pain, chronic pelvic pain, um, especially with sleeping. But her two big things is she wants to garden. She loves working in her garden, but all, all the squats, reaches, they bug. Um, but she loves hiking. She loves to hike. That's her, like, main um, form of fun exercise, I guess. Like, she wants to get out. We live in a beautiful area. Like, who doesn't want to hike around here? But she would just fatigue so fast, and she would have back pain walking uphill and downhill. And, we, you know, took her through the TZs and said, okay, why does back hurt? No hip extension. 
Hmm. can't actually like pushing off uphill. It was these short little steps and she's leaning forward and she's just totally pushing through her low back. And her stability was bad. She's just like, you know, we have some pretty rocky areas and she's like, greatest fear is, and this is super common for all of our clients who are aging, their greatest fear is falling. Like they, falling and breaking a hip is just life altering. She doesn't want to fall. And so that limits her in like what she can do, when she can do it and how long she can go for. So, you know, have her doing some, some homework, have her doing some hip mobility, back pain immediately drops off. She can get more extension. Um, and working on some, just those 3d, very functional, the out of sync foot reaches, trunk reaches. So having her just balance 3d foot reach out of sync trunk reach. And, uh, it was great. She pulled up this video on her phone and said, Hey, check this out. I usually send a, a video to my son <laughs> of the dog and she's on a hike with the dog. And she, you know, she's just kind of talking to her son da, 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 and then all of a sudden the camera just goes haywire. It's like, Oh my gosh, apocalypse now. And it's all over the place. And I was amazed. She, I said, I would have been swearing up down and sideways, but then she like, camera all of a sudden comes still and she, you know, she's just like, Oh, I almost ate it right there. And she was so happy Like she showed me, she goes, all of this stuff is working because mm. she felt strong. And her big thing was not only did she not fall, but she stumbled, caught herself and she didn't hurt afterwards. She's like, that was powerful to her. And that was, that was pretty rad. That's magic right there. It is. It's Saving yourself from a fall. It's, it's like you never wear a seatbelt and you never know how bad it could be until something happens. Like you wear your seatbelt and nothing ever happens. Like, oh, I was safe. It's yeah. like, well, now you're wearing your seatbelt and you're in an accident. Like that could have been gnarly. Yeah. So you worked those TZs. That was your seatbelt and got back into action. Man, I'm trying to think of uh, other individuals I've worked with that um, – I was working with somebody the other day who who had uh, bad shoulder pain. She couldn't put deodorant on. Talk about a TZ. Yeah, yeah. So let's break it down. Let's let, let's look at this. Like, all right, let's do it. you can't put deodorant on. It's too tough to lift the arm to put the deodorant on. She had to like just leave her arm down. Yeah. So the TZ was basically her arm going through that abduction, and her shoulder blade couldn't couldn't do that. Couldn't support it. Now she's had a a past of really bad shoulder uh, dislocations, just like has connective tissue funkiness going on that's just hypermobile. So she could, when she was younger, she could dislocate and re- mm-hmm. relocate, <laughs> reattach her shoulder back in. But uh, it caused a lot of a lot of harm. And um, she played some extreme sports like volleyball, lots of overhead stuff and slamming and tennis and swinging, things like that. And, and was just afraid to use her shoulders. She was told, don't, don't move your shoulders in that way that, that hurts you. And for one, yeah, don't dislocate your shoulders. But another thing is like, don't scare the shit out of somebody because they have a hypermobility somewhere. Mm-hmm. How? What do you do to help stabilize that? So we address those things and said, all right, the shoulder is just scared to go through those motions, and internally it's protecting and bracing, like creating a frozen shoulder. And so over time, that can develop into a very chronic injury mm-hmm. to not be able to lift the arm like that. So over time, it's just got stiffer. Stress started building up and getting even more locked up. So we we're like, okay, how do we? How do we provide that shoulder with more support? How can we bring more friends to the party to help that shoulder? So the shoulder doesn't got to do it by itself. Well, we know that the lateral core can bend. We know that the hips can move. And there's parts of the lower body and the, and the feet can step in a certain way that create similar relative motion up top in the chain. And so Grand Street taught us a lot about real and relative motion that even if you don't see any uh, or if you see movement occurring in a joint, relatively it might not be moving, or relatively it might be moving in a different direction. 
those different speeds. And that's that's uh, something we dive into in the NBMC course as well, just how to see that movement. But basically what we did is over, over the course of about two months um, and meeting about every two weeks, so I think we had like about like six six sessions, we started to just start from the lower body. Like, don't move your shoulder. Let's just keep your shoulder locked in and safe. Let's see where the shoulder can go, and then let's just, like, not go any further than that. But let's get some motion from your foot to step laterally, get your hip to drive laterally, get your rib cage to lift, and just lift your shoulder itself, not the whole arm. Because you lift your arm out, now there's a long lever arm, it's very heavy. And so we started to restore just that lateral motion to be able to elevate the rib cage, and we found that her rib cage was very locked up. So every time she went to lift her arm, the rib cage wasn't mm. proprioceptively communicating to the rest of the arm. So once we got her core fired up, we did a little coiling core, some LFE from uh, WEC method, um, and uh, I did a little FMR on her hand, on her uh, on her shoulder, so kind of guided that shoulder blade through movement, so she didn't have to do it, but her body can experience the motion. Mm-hmm. After those those few months, um, those, those six six sessions, she's like, check it out. She could like get her elbow to shoulder height now, but her right. arm couldn't fully extend. She's yeah. like, ah, if I go any higher, it pinches. So then we went from just that position and stabilized it with a mobility stick. Thank you for that device. So freaking cool. You hold that and now I move the rest of your body. And then I created some more motion with my hands on the shoulder and the hips and the thoracic spine. And we did some not lateral motion. We did just rotational stuff and sagittal plane stuff that she could do. It's like she could lift her arm up above chest height in front of her, but when it goes to the side, stops. So we used sagittal plane and transverse plane. And then after about 15 minutes of doing that, we came back and had her, I was like, hey, Rachel, I'm overhead. And she was like, what the? <laughs> What'd you do? What did you what do? What is this? It doesn't even hurt. You know, and we, so we built up some strength. And once we had that availability, built some strength. And now we're starting to work on a prone and work on other things that that, uh, that shoulder was scared to do. So yeah. It's powerful just to consider the other parts that go into those TZs. When you do have to isolate, make sure you reintegrate. If you just try to go all integrated, you may end up be doing too much the whole body. So there's time to isolate. There's time to piece it apart. But you got to put it all back together into the function. She's like, I put deodorant on yesterday with, with without having to leave my arm down. And I was like, oh, that is such so an awesome good. win. Such a win. Like, I smiled so hard on that because that <laughs> yeah. those are the things that can change people's lives. You know, People don't bring that stuff up. They don't tell everybody, like, I couldn't put deodorant on my, without lifting my arm or yeah. with lifting my arm. Like People don't talk about that. But no. That can change your day. You start yeah. in the morning like I could reach my arm up. I'm so stoked. We we talked about how we take movement for granted until it's it's taken away, and then it's like those little things like that. It's mm-hmm. just so detrimental. So Kenzie, who, if you guys haven't listened to the podcast Great that I podcast. did with uh, with Kenzie Kitson on her her spinal fusion back surgery, she fell um, doing some rock climbing and shattered her L1 has to be fused from I think T6 down, um, but. She's been working with us for just over a year, and she was in a place where she couldn't just like she couldn't walk across the room from A to B without pain. And I got a sweet text from her last week that was a screenshot of her Strava, and she did like five point four miles, and it was she goes, "This is the furthest I've run and the fastest I've run ever prior prior to breaking her back ever." And she's like, she's thirty, she's young. And she was so stoked. And her biggest, you know, with with this with a rod in her spine, we're gonna have limited range of motion. But because she's had this injury, she's been so used to bracing her body and everything moves together. Like out of sync motion was so challenging because it felt like I'm gonna snap because her body has been protecting itself for so long to not move that way because she's 
Well, and you got a rod in it that says don't, it says don't exactly. go that way, right? It's, yeah, it's going to limit it at some mm-hmm. point. And she was told she was going to have to log roll out of bed for the rest of her life. Like, literally, like, I was like, so you got to, like, stiff board it and just, and roll out of bed? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, that sounds like you, like, that'd be hard for a normal person to do, like, let alone, like, we could figure out better ways to do this. But we've been working for the last probably six months on improving her out of sync motion. Not necessarily trying to go end range, but working within her threshold because running is out of sync and just giving her that fluidity and having her hips and her core be able to work together to do that like nice little beautiful load to explode. Or she's getting that free, that free energy, that free rubber band snap to push into that next phase. And she's been crushing it like her range yep. of motion has improved so much to where she can get like so much thoracic spine extension for for what her body is capable of right she's got to use other parts of her body to make up for what her her lumbar and the lower thoracic cannot do yeah so as long as you're doing it intentionally and teaching now your shoulders your upper thoracic your shoulder blades your hips her hips your lower body how to assist that and recognize that oh shit zone where now the back is saying no way. Well, you learn to push that a little bit, right? Push this, push the center further and further away and be able to return versus staying at center and never being able to do that out of sync motion. You're always just walking around like a, like a one solid rod. Yeah. One (laughs) straight line. Yeah. And so she's, I mean, but that's another thing. Like she was never thought she'd be able to run again. And in a year, not only is she running again, but she PR'd from before she even broke her back insane yeah that's so rad so what 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 do you need to know in order to use tz's or to not understand tz's and apply them to your clients is there anything that you need to to do or can you just start doing it yes and no it depends it depends you're more you're more complicated cases like if you look at somebody they've got knee pain they got ankle pain they got back pain with doing a squat you need to know biomechanics you need to know what's supposed to be happening at the foot ankle knee hip thoracic spine left ear lobe like you need to know what's going down so that you have the tools to say well i can look at that and i can identify what should be happening and what's not happening but if you're looking to train somebody who's healthy, who wants performance, your athlete, maybe it's your, just your everyday Joe who wants to get better at pickup basketball, you can start training TZs yesterday and start just making it. My favorite one of the great institute sayings is like, your exercise should look, feel, and smell like your sport. And it should, like you should be going through and be like, well, this like feels like basketball, but it's not basketball. Like I have, I might have weight or... Um, it just might be like a med ball press, you know, something, something that's just powerful that, that has the elements of what your sport looks like and feels like, and be able to do that in the gym because you're going to be able to move better outside of the gym. Like if you want to get better at surfing, why would you just do regular burpees, do a rotational burpee, do literally do a pop-up both ways, <laughs> do some balance work, do some stability work. We balance every day. Like I can't tell you how many times I've not fallen <laughs> And I'm like, yes, thank you, Janazo. My ankles don't hurt. I thought I like broke my ankle on a run. I just like hit a little pothole and like, I was like, I almost went down. And I had this gnarly zing in my ankle where I know like 10 years ago, I would have been on crutches. Would have been on crutches. And now I'm like, nope, I could, my body was rocked right out of that. And we said, nope, we got you. Power to the next one. So yeah, yes, you can start applying today. And yes, you can always learn more. Hmm. 
Yeah, I think uh, just critically thinking of uh, what your what does your athlete want to do when they're feeling great, and if they're already feeling great, consider what they need to uh, access in terms of positions in their sport or their ADLs, something that they want to do in life. What do they want to get better at? If it's throwing, if it's kicking, if it's swinging, if it's I want to be able to play beer league softball on Wednesdays and not throw my back out. Look at the look at the positions you're going to be in. Put your athlete. Put yourself in those positions and feel it out first. I mean, that's the best way to, to do it as a coach is to put yourself in their shoes. Literally, not their shoes, but as if you were in their positions in their shoes. And uh, and consider like how you move from that position and what are things you can do. If you've been doing um, barbell thrusters um, in a split stance, maybe try wide and narrow feet. If you're doing overhead presses with a dumbbell, maybe try a stride stance. Maybe try a kneeling position. Maybe try it from seated and, and understand how that uh, puts more torque in the system and how that can contribute to better movement overall in an integrated whole in that actual movement. Um, if they, if it is, um, they want to be able to squat into a full range of motion. Well, consider the other things that are needed in a squat, which is ankle dorsiflexion, which is knee flexion, which is hip flexion, which is thoracic strength and extension. Uh, and, you know, those, those little parts and then retest the motion that you were trying to make better and simply just bring purpose, more purpose to what you're already doing. And don't say just the, the movements you're doing in the gym have purpose. They do. They're making you stronger and maybe have aesthetic appeal. But can you also develop that by making somebody better at what they're doing in life? And the answer is yes. Visit the positions, visit the intentions, and then make it fun. You know, incorporate some different equipments. Also, I mean, to learn more about TZs, just checking out our Instagrams through Gymnazo EDU, Gymnazo, um, through Kalina's Instagram, my Instagram, uh, Goose's Instagram, Michael's, we, we are all pretty active on there and, and doing some funky movements. And I encourage you to ask questions when you see something that looks ridiculous or looks like it might hurt somebody. Think about what goes into that movement and the intention behind it versus just it being some funky thing that we are doing. Most of the time there is some purpose to it and there's a lot of uh, sensations and intentions behind uh, what's going on in that motion. So check those out. Even checking out Gymnazo EDU's YouTube channel. Lots of informational videos there. And then we had mentioned the MDMC course. There's many versions of that. So if you want to do the full course, that's a little more expensive. It has all the bits and pieces and a good little partnership, mentorship involved as well. And if you want to just kind of dabble a little bit, there's portions of that course that you can take that involves the science, maybe the proprioception, maybe just the movements and the programming, uh, maybe the behavioral side of it. So check that out. I encourage you to reach out to us and uh, leave a leave a comment on our pages. Uh, review this podcast and give us some love. Would love to hear from you. Uh, any closing remarks, Kalina? Before we we shut down today, train those TZs, man. You'll be infinitely better for it. And know your OSTZs. Oh yeah. Know where people get injured because one more piece we'll add. You start with success. And then you keep pushing that envelope until you don't make them fail, but you find a point where you've got to continue to, to strive for more success and to, to tweak out tissues. Use a glute and then try doing a squat without your glutes. It's much tougher. If you don't know what I'm talking about, reach out. We will help you discover the truth behind transformational zones and chain reaction biomechanics. Until next time, peace. 
Hey, y'all, I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. And if you did, please share it with your fitness-obsessed friends and peers who are also navigating this world of fitness and trying to succeed to the trends and misinformation. As you guys can see, this podcast is basically a masterclass for trainers wanting to level up in their coaching skills and their fitness business model. Relaunches in 2020 because you and your fitness tribe deserve to see an unfiltered look at all the aspects of what it takes to stand out as a next generation coach and build a successful fitness business. So share it far and wide. And please, when you do, do me a favor, take a screenshot of this screen and share it to your social media accounts and use the hashtag Gymnazo Podcast. That's hashtag Gymnazo Podcast. That way we can see you and share your post with our audience. And finally, when you're ready to go to the next level as a coach or in your business and to reach more people, please go check out gymnazoedu.com. We have put together the best 90-day coaching program on the market for trainers wanting to become a masterful practitioner and build a business that gives them the freedom and impact. So let us help you do just that. We have online training and one-on-one coaching to guide you through a full 90-day certification. We even get you training our clients live because it's always better to work out your kinks on someone else's clients than yours. But we promise you this, your clients will be blown away by the transformation our program will help you make. You'll be masterful at a whole new level and part of an incredible community of coaches worldwide taking their skills to the next level. So if you thought today's episode had some fire to it, and inspired you to take action, wait until you see what we deliver on this program. So just go to gymnazoedu.com and we'll see you on the other side. Remember that turning your passion for fitness into transformation and sustainable business is critical to reaching the people and lives you were put on earth to help. It matters and truly can make an impact in other people's lives. So I hope you do that. Keep sharing your passion and we'll talk to you soon.